baby steps. I tell you, love some Groundhog Day. What we've been talking about for the past six weeks is in this series called Destinations is that our direction determines our destination. We know that when it comes to driving, we know that when it comes to hiking, when it comes to skateboarding, that whichever path we choose will have an ultimate destination. That our direction, not our intention, determines our destination. Last week we talked about this. That we, a lot of people have this mentality that in order to get close to God, you have to take huge, giant leaps towards God. But we talked last week that getting close to God doesn't happen by leaps. It happens by steps, by small, consistent steps. Today, we're talking about the inverse of that. Today, we're talking about leaving God. That leaving God and moving away from God rarely ever happens in gigantic, huge leaps. But it happens in small, increment, baby steps. Uh, By the way, how many of y'all students, how many of y'all went uh, this whole weekend, hung out with us at one church? How many of y'all had a good time? All right, fantastic. Merge was great. Let's give it up for our students. How many of y'all have a student or have at one time were a teenager? All right, good. Let Let me speak to us because all of us have been exactly where they're at. In fact, I remember I was a student pastor for 12, 13 years. And a statistic that haunted me was this, that 90% of teenagers who grew up in church, that once they graduated high school, 90% of them left the church. Let that sink in a little bit. That 9 out of 10 students who grew up in church, once they graduated from high school and transitioned into college, 90% of them said, you know what, I'm done with that. Why is that? Because here's the thing, what we're talking about is moving away from God. And whether or not you've been a teenager or not, or you are a teenager or whatever, all of us at one time or another have been far away from God. In fact, some of you, this may be your first time back in church for years. And there was a time when you said, you know what, Chris, you're right, I used to be close to God. But now I feel like I'm a million miles away and I don't know how to get back home. How does that happen? How does a love grow cold? How does one compromise their values? How does one walk away from a relationship with God? And a lot of us, we, we say, we would never do that. I would never, ever walk out on God. In fact, this box right here, I want this box to represent our I will never. And here, this is what God wants for our lives. All of us have things in our lives that we would say, I would never do that. What's your I will never? I would never, ever have sex before I got married. I would never do that. I would never, ever allow drugs or alcohol to control me. I would never do that. You know, if I ever get married, I'm never going to divorce my wife. Some of you know that pain because you are the product of divorce. And that's your I will never. I would never do that. I would never walk away from God. I would never. What is your I will never? 
Whatever it is, I want you to listen to a verse that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And this is what it says. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You are not exempt. If you think you are standing firm, you had better be, what's that next word? Careful. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. What is your I will never? Because here's the thing. Nobody, nobody sets their goal to, hey, I want to wreck my life as much as I can. I want to jack up my life as messed up as I can get it. I want to run so far away from my values, and I want to compromise so much of who I am that at the end of the day, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, I don't even know who I am. Nobody ever makes that their goal. Nobody ever makes getting addicted to pornography their goal. Nobody ever does that. Nobody ever says, you know what, I'm looking forward to getting married and then getting divorced from my spouse. Nobody ever does that. Nobody ever says, you know what, I am looking forward to one day. You know, I'm going to start with the whole alcohol thing, and we're going to have fun in college, and I'm gonna, we're going to binge drink, we're going to have a great time, and it gets, it's going to keep on going and going and going until at the end of my addiction, I'm no longer with the social crowd anymore, but I am hugging a toilet, vomiting, and nobody wants to be around me. Nobody ever makes that their goal. Nobody ever makes it their goal to, to get that thrill, to be a thief their entire life. To be put in jail. Nobody makes going to jail their goal. Nobody ever does that. But the fact remains, one out of every two marriages end in divorce. The fact remains that this morning, over three million Americans woke up behind bars. One out of every 100 Americans are incarcerated. And I can tell you, if you ask them, nobody would say, you know what, I was looking forward to coming to the joint. This was my goal in life. Nobody ever makes that their goal. Why? Because it's too big of a leap. It's too big of a jump. But what we do is we compromise a little here and compromise our values a little there. And we take small baby steps towards our I will never. I would never do and at the end of so much compromise, we are exactly where we said we would never, ever be. What is your I will never? Our big idea today is this. That we move far away from God. It happens not by leaps, but by steps. Moving away from God happens not by leaps, but by steps. Let's all read this out loud. Moving away from God happens by steps, not leaps. Every step you take today is moving you closer to what you're going to become tomorrow. It happens. That's just how it happens. That's how it works. Very rarely will your life ever be totally messed up because of one huge decision you made. It just doesn't happen like that. Very rarely does that happen. In fact, some of you think, well, it happened that way to me. I can remember that time I should have went home, but I slept over. I remember that time where I should have said no, but I said yes. But if you think about it, you may think that was one huge leap, but if you look back, you had been drifting long before that time. You had been taking small steps towards your I will never. And then, oh, I'm already here. Uh, and you look back, and home looks so far away, it's easier just to go ahead and do it. To go ahead and follow through and just jack your life up. Then to say, you know what, I'm going to turn around. 
and I'm going to take another direction with another destination. Today, we're going to be looking at a guy in the Bible who really exemplifies this whole thing of that moving away from God happens in steps, not gigantic leaps. And the fella, fella's name, as soon as I tell it to you, you're going to go, oh, yeah. All right? In fact, you may have never been to church before. You've heard of this dude. His name is Samson. How many of y'all ever heard of Samson? All right, cool. When I say the word Samson, what do you think of? All right, hair, all right, strong. Some of you think of somebody that looks like me, all right? You think of somebody who looks like Fabio, right? Flowing locks, all right, and going down. I mean, that's what we think of when we think of Samson. Now, I want to show you how Samson started. In fact, I'm going to show you just how close of a relationship he had with God before he was ever born. Look at this. This is in Judges chapter 13, verses, starting in verse 2. It says this. In those, in those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been un- unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. And look at this. This angel gives some very specific things here. And his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. By the way, the the Philistines were God's enemies, Israel's enemies. Now, let's talk a little bit about this. So God calls this guy before he was ever born. God had a plan for Samson before he was ever born. Now, what's so amazing about this is, you know what? God has a plan for your life before you were ever born. Did you know that? Psalm 139 says that God knew you before you were ever born. While you were being knitted together in your mother's womb, God had a purpose and a plan for you. And God wants you to find that purpose and plan, just like God wanted Samson to find that purpose and plan. But here's the problem. Samson never really did find it. And his life was just a drift, going one bad direction to another. And my, and my hope and my prayer is today that you would realize that God has a plan for your life and that you would find it. Now, it says right here, throw that verse back up there if you would. He was a Nazarite. What does that mean? Well, if you look at number 6, and I'm not going to go there, but you can read it later. In Numbers chapter 6, it says this, that if you're a Nazarite and you take that vow, by the way, not only did Samson take that vow, if you keep on reading in Judges, his mom and dad took that vow as well. Here here was the four things you had to do as a Nazarite. You couldn't drink alcoholic beverages. Couldn't do it. Now, by the way, I just want to... that If you're a Nazarite, you couldn't. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not drink alcohol. It says don't get drunk. So there's a very distinct thing there. But God says, I don't want you to even touch alcohol, even be around alcohol. I want you to totally set yourself apart from that. So they couldn't drink alcohol. Second, they couldn't cut their hair. Couldn't cut their hair. Third is they couldn't touch anything dead. Right? If you saw roadkill on the side, you couldn't touch it. How many of y'all ever touch roadkill? I expect more hands to be that, that in the south. Come on now. Anyway, and then the fourth thing, and this wasn't just a Nazarite thing. This was an entire Israelite thing. They could not intermarry with people other than the Israelites. And God's purpose was very clear with that. The, Anytime you give your heart to something, you're going to drift that way. 
And God was saying, I don't want you to drift. And we saw that in Solomon in this series. I don't want you to get married to a, a husband or a wife that doesn't share your values and, and God's values. So they could not intermarry with all, all the other nations surrounding them. All right, so four commands. Don't, don't touch alcohol. Don't cut their hair. Don't touch anything dead. And don't have sex with your enemies. Got it? All right, Judges chapter 14, verse 1. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the, what is that next word? Philistine women caught his eye. Well, that didn't take long, did it? I mean, remember what we talked about a couple of weeks ago? That every direction has a destination, but what influences our direction, what gets our attention, will determine the direction of our life. And what got Samson's attention? Women. By the way, how many of you are guys? All right, that's what gets your attention as well. All right, some of you are going, I am too spiritual for that. No, you're in denial. All right, and that's just not just a river in Egypt. All right? If you're a guy, you struggle just like Samson does and did with his eyes. That's just the fact. What gets our attention will determine our direction, and every direction has a destination. So, Samson... He's looking at this Philistine woman that caught his eye. In verse 2, he says, when he returned home, he told his mom and his pop, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Oh. His father and mother objected. I mean, his father and mother are going, hey, time out. Do you remember that vow you took? Remember that? All right. Objected. Isn't there even one woman in, in our own tribe or among the Israelites you can marry, they asked? Why must you go to the pagan enemy Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. For what? She looks good to me. What gets your attention will determine your direction. Now, this is, this is Samson's first strike. Samson decides to take a little small compromise. She looks good. She looks awesome. Oh, yeah, she's, she's not my people, and she doesn't share my values, but I want her. And Samson decides to intermarry with his enemies. And you know what happens to Samson? Nothing. No consequences for this little compromise. Look at this, verse 5. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. By the way, what is he doing next to a vineyard? What do they have in vineyards? Grapes and wine. Just like kind of Beach Haven is today, anytime you have a, um, a vineyard, I mean, that's where you get alcohol, right? I mean, that's how it was back in that day as well. So he's, he's hanging out at the vineyard going, that looks kind of good. He's hanging out at the vineyards near Timnah. At that moment, this lion comes on him. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily if it was a young goat, but he didn't tell his mom and his dad about it. Now, by the way, do you know the secret of Samson's strength? See, some of you, yeah, that's right. I was going to try to catch you before you say Most of us, we think it's his hair. The reason why he was strong is because he had a mullet. Here's the thing. How many of y'all got mullets? How many of y'all have ever had a mullet? All right, thank you. All right, I've had a mullet at one time. All right. I wasn't strong. That didn't make me strong. Do you know the secret of Samson's strength? Look at it. It says, 
It says, at that moment, what? The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. You see, the secret of Samson's strength wasn't his hair. It was that God, God's Spirit came upon him and enabled him to do something miraculous. All right? Now, keep on going. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully in on him. I mean, it wasn't because he looked like Fabio. It was because God's Spirit came upon him. Now, look at this. Verse 7. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. So he's still planning on getting jiggy with it with God's enemies. All right? Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path and looked at the carcass of the lion that he killed earlier. Now, remember, he isn't supposed to touch anything. What? All right, cool. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. So he scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. Yeah, some of y'all going, that's nasty. Guess what? Him marrying, intermarrying, first strike. Guess what here? Second strike. He, he totally is compromising one little small step at a time. He's not becoming just like the Philistines. I mean, he's still got his stuff. But he's, he's compromising. And, and look at this. He also gave some to his father and his mother, and they ate it. But he didn't tell him that he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Now, I think that's the reason why I think that's so important is because, remember, they also took that, this same vow. And Samson caused his parents to break their vows. He was secretive about it. He didn't tell them where he got it. And let me tell you about some people. Some people, when they don't want to follow God with all of their heart, they don't want other people to follow God with all of their heart as well. So you know what they're going to do? They're going to put stumbling blocks in your way, and they're going to make you compromise and make you like, like just, little, just one small step. It doesn't hurt, right? No big deal, right? Now, this is what's so amazing to me is this is his second compromise. This is his second strike. He's broken two out of four of his vows. Does anything happen right now? I mean, does he lose his strength? Look at verse 19. That the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he went down to the town of Ashkelon and killed 30 people. Any consequences yet? No. God's still giving him his spirit. He's still strong. God's still using Samson. Samson, though, is making small compromises. Samson is taking one little small baby step away from where he needs to be. He's compromising. And Samson had, I would never, there are, I would never do that. He's just like you and me. But Samson is taking steps to his I will never. Moving away from God always happens in steps, not leaps. Verse 14 of Judges 15. As Samson arrived in Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. And look what happens. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on Samson. See, it's not his hair. And what did he do? He snapped the ropes of his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell to his wrist. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. Uh-oh, what is he not supposed to do? Touch anything dead. He picks it up, and what does he do? He kills a thousand of his enemies with it. Now, again, he's, he's making compromises. I mean, did God take away Samson's strength? No. Are there any consequences yet of his compromising? I mean, he, he's leaving his values. He's taking little small steps away from where he needs to be, and yet there's no consequences yet. I mean, but Samson took a vow. 
He made a promise to God. Listen, I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm not going to touch alcohol. I'm not going to touch dead things. And I'm not going to marry any of Israel's enemies. And yet, one step after another, he's waffling. God's still using him, though. Look at verse 18. Samson is now very thirsty after he kills a thousand people. I guess so. So he cries out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these enemies, these pagans? So he prays to God. And you know what God does? God doesn't say, I'm sorry. You're compromising. Can't do it. What does God do? So God caused the water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi. And Samson was revived as he drank. God's still listening to Samson. Let me tell you, let me just say this. Some of you, you've been walking away from God for years, and God's still wanting a relationship with you, even though you're compromising. I'm going to keep on reading. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. How long did he judge Israel? 20 years. 20 years. He started close to God. And in 20 years, God's still listening to Samson. He's still using him, but something's happening inside of Samson. His heart is changing. It's becoming hard. But God is still patient. God is still loving. And I want to show you the last verse of chapter 15, right next to the first verse of chapter 16. And I want to show you just how far he drifted, just how far he took steps away. This is what it says. Samson judged Israel for what? 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. So 20 years have passed, and let's look at where Samson is now. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a... I mean, 20 years ago, he would never, ever consider hanging out with a prostitute. He wouldn't. It's too big of a jump. It's too big of a leap. But you know how he got there? One compromise, one small step away from his values, and 20 years later, he is paying to have sex with a whore. Some of you are going, that's really blunt. It's in the Bible. I mean, look how far he came. Now, It's a subtle erosion. You know, nothing just goes bang overnight. I mean, I remember reading about the the bridge collapsing in Minnesota a few years ago. You know, that bridge, even though it collapsed in the day, it didn't get that way overnight. It was a subtle erosion. And that's how it is with you and I and our spiritual walk with God. There's a drift. Does God give up on Samson? Even though he's hanging out with a prostitute? No. God's still calling out the Samson. God, we're going to see that God's still using Samson. Verse 3. But Samson stayed in bed with the prostitute only until midnight. Because he's thinking, oh, since nobody will see me, you know, it, it, it's all right. Only one big problem. God sees. Then he, he gets up. He takes hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. Now, has God given up on Samson? Has God taken away Samson's strength? No. He's still as strong as the Hulk and still as dumb. 
But here's the thing. There's no consequences yet, but he's breaking his promises. He's breaking his vows, and he's been compromising for the last 20 years. God still loves him. God's still waiting for him to change. God is still patient. But really, this is the beginning of the end for Samson. Samson has compromised so much. He's gotten so far away from where he needs to be that when he looks back, he can't even figure out how to get back. Because every step Samson took is making him to become the person he was that day. Let me tell you, every step you're taking is causing you to become the person that you are becoming today. Look at verse 4. Let's look at the beginning of the end for him. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a young woman named... How many of y'all ever heard Delilah? Everybody's heard that, right? Delilah, right? All right. The, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. So Delilah went to Samson. Please tell me what makes you so strong. Now look at this. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death with it. I could preach a sermon on that. I'm not. Because you women will kill me. All right. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. Now listen to what he says. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Let me just tell you, he didn't even, he had gotten so far away from God, he didn't even know the secret of his own strength. It had nothing to do with this. had nothing to do with that. It had to do with God and his relationship with God. He had gotten so far away from God. He doesn't even have a clue anymore. Now look at this. So Samson, in this way she began to bring him down. I think that's an understatement. Let me tell you, Samson began to bring himself down 20 years before. In this way she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Now remember, what's the secret of Samson's strength? God. In fact, let's look at it. Look at verse 20. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But when he woke up, he thought, I will do as I did before and just shake myself free from these bonds. But look at this next part. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Wow. The saddest part about this story is he has run so far away from God. He didn't even realize when God wasn't even around and in his life. I mean, every step he was taking led him to this point. And it didn't happen overnight. It doesn't ever happen overnight. You make small, subtle compromises and there's erosion. And you don't become a porn agnet by going click once. You don't take one sip and get addicted to alcohol once. You don't shoot up and get addicted to drugs once. You don't take a puff of marijuana and get addicted once. It happens over time. And it will always lead you to your never. I would never do that. And what you get here, it is the loneliest place you will ever be. 
Because all the people that you hung out with and partying with, and it was a fun time and it was a crowd mentality, then you are alone here. Samson was alone. Subtle erosion. Subtle steps. Very rarely will your life ever be destroyed by one big decision. But it happens one small step after a time. What is your I will never? I want to read this last verse before we close. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Let's all read it together. Ready? Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. If you think you are standing firm, you had better be careful. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. We move away from God not by huge, gigantic leaps, but one small step at a time. The amazing thing about this is that God still had not given up on Samson. At the end of Samson's life, God still uses Samson. And let me tell you, you may have drifted so far away from God over the years of your life, and I have no idea what you've done. But you need to hear me when I say God does know what you've done and he still loves you. That's the reason you're here and hearing this message today. He still loves you with a love that will never let you go. And I hope for some of you, for us, because I have drifted some as well. All of us have drift. We veer that we make those subtle compromises. It's my prayer that today you would stop going the direction that you're going and that you would make a U-turn and that you would come back to God. That you would come back to Him. I want to close by telling you a true story. Now, I've researched this. This is not one of those preacher's stories. Because what I'm getting ready to tell you, you're going to think, that just got to be made up. And it's not. True story. Happened almost 20 years ago. And it illustrates this point that we move far away from God in our home. One small step at a time. There was a, a single mom and her toddler living on the edge of Phoenix, Arizona in a trailer park. And they were right on the edge. The rest is just desert. For some of those who've been to Arizona, it's just hot and it's desert with cactus. And this is before the time of cell phones. This lady is outside. She has this big beach umbrella. She has a, um, a blanket and she's laying down and her, her little toddler who has just booties on and a, and a um, diaper is asleep underneath this big beach umbrella because it was just so hot. Their AC had went out. And she hears the phone ring. And she's thinking, okay, it, it, it might be somebody here to repair it. So she goes inside. She takes the call. She's in there just a, not long at all. And she comes back and her little toddler is gone. And she immediately just starts freaking out. I mean, has somebody taken my baby? Has my baby wandered off? And it hasn't been long. So she starts frantically searching. And she searches and she searches and she searches trying to find this little toddler. She calls 911, and the police get involved. And the police 
and the rescue fire. I mean, they're all searching for this little toddler. And it gets night, and they spin the search, and they've not found the little the child. And the next morning, they start spanning out the search, and they start expanding the perimeter. And they start looking and looking, and they find this child three miles away from his home. And the child is okay. He's dehydrated. He's sunburned, badly sunburned, but he's alive. And as they're having the press conference, the police and the mom is there and they're holding the baby. How did this child get three miles away from his home? And the only thing they could find out and deduce is the child got three miles away. One little baby step at a time. One little step at a time. For some of you this morning, you look back over your life and you can think of a time when you were closer to God than you are now. You can look back over your life and you you can think of a time when you you had a relationship with God that was you could characterize as intimate. And yet here you sit today and you feel like you're a million miles away. Hear me. Two things. You can come back to God. You walked away from Him one step at a time. You can stop. You can turn and you can follow him and get closer to him one step at a time. But it begins today. And it begins with your decision to stop going in the wrong direction. Second thing I want you to know is this. If you feel far away from God today, I want you to hear me clearly that he loves you. He is patient. He is our heavenly father. And some of you, you had some jacked up dads who were just blew off at the, of anything. That's not your heavenly father. He longs to have a relationship with you. And he will never do that. He will never forsake you. Let's pray.